What is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Rackliff, and it is Thursday, July 8th. On to the New England Patriots, and boy, oh boy, we saw how they were without Tom Brady. And you know what? It's interesting. I mean, it wasn't good, but they were still 7-9 and nine last year, so it wasn't absolutely terrible. Of course, that 7-9 and nine record put them in a position where they could draft a quarterback in the middle of the first round, which they did in Mac Jones. So we got to unpack that. And the rest of this squad, for fantasy purposes, before we dive into that, remember, we do have this contest going on. I'm trying to grow this podcast, and you can help me do so by rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts. And in your review, if you leave your Twitter handle, you're entered in to win a free rant t-shirt. It's a great price right there. Free. Always good. And, And they're pretty sharp. If you want to check them out, that's over at sawdustpods.com. You can check out all the merch that we have over there, including all the rant t-shirts. So appreciate everybody's help there. We're trying to grow this bad boy. All right. We want to make this a top 10 fantasy podcast by the time we get to the end of fantasy draft season. And we aren't there yet. So uh, appreciate everybody's help. So let's talk about the New England Patriots. And as I mentioned, you know, last year, first year without Tom Brady, other than the injury year, the Matt Castle year, in two decades, basically, And it was certainly a shock to the system for New England. They really weren't able to generate much offensively. Outside of Cam Newton running the football, I mean, it was really effective running the football. That was about it, though. But they still were decent enough to hang in there, win seven games. So you can't ever really count this team out. But when we look forward to this year, we do have a big question. You know, does this team make it through the entire year with Cam Newton under center? He's obviously a bridge quarterback. He's he's signed on a one-year deal. And they spent a first-round pick on a quarterback, which is something we just don't see from New England. I mean, over the last two decades, for obvious reasons. So, Newton's days are numbered in this offense. However, you know, we do have an interesting wrinkle here because this team is not going to look the same with Mac Jones under center as they will with Cam Newton under center. Right, Cam Newton is going to run the football a bunch. Last year, in 15 games played, he had 137 rushing attempts, 12 rushing scores. This dude was still the number 15 fantasy quarterback on the season. You know, that's with eight passing touchdowns and nine interceptions. Like, still with his legs, uh, he can generate fantasy points. Jones won't run a ton. You know, how much do we expect Mac Jones to to run this season? Two or three rushing attempts per game. So the question is, you know, and that is if he gets under center. When does he get under center? Is it this year? I do think it ultimately is. I think the one thing that would prevent that, and this is fairly obvious, is whether or not the, uh, the Patriots are in the playoff mix. And I know it may sound outlandish to even think that, you know, given the current state, Buffalo looks to be the, the cream of the crop in the AFC East. Miami certainly on the rise. But I don't want to just say that a 7-9 and nine team last year is not going to make the playoffs or not going to be in the playoff mix at least. I don't think we can say that. I think that's too aggressive a take. So if they're in the playoff hunt, and it is a Belichick coach team, then Newton would likely keep the job. But if they get to a point where it looks like the season is getting, you know, out of their hands, then we'll see Jones come in. And then the offense will look very different. Now, they'll still be run heavy, but that run game 
will now be primarily the backfield, not the backfield and Newton as an extension of that. So we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I really don't think there's any value in taking either of these guys, even in super flex leagues, just because of the question marks. I mean, I guess if you're desperate, you could go after Newton as your third quarterback in a super flex. But, and the big but is, you don't know how long he's going to keep his job for. Currently have him ranked at quarterback 31. Jones at quarterback 35. Don't really love either play. But it is acknowledging, I mean, I have Jones playing seven games this year. So, ten games for Newton. Don't love it, though. Don't love it. Now, when you look to the passing game, there is a major improvement. Of course, the major improvement happened in free agency. They went out and and signed the top two free agent tight ends on the market on a lot of people's uh, lists in Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry. Now... This is an obvious attempt to create a situation where they're going to be running a lot of 12 personnel because Jonu Smith is a, you know, he's a move tight end and Hunter Henry is an inline tight end. And I don't want to necessarily make the direct comp, but I guess we would be foolish to not reference the Gronk and and Aaron Hernandez uh, era. Hernandez was the move tight end, Gronk was the inline tight end. And we did have a year, I believe it was the second year of that pairing where Gronk and Hernandez were top five fantasy tight ends on the same stinking team. So we certainly can't rule out these guys being the number one and number two targets on this offense. I don't quite have it there right now, but I have the targets fairly evenly distributed among these guys and then Jacoby Myers and Nelson Aguilar. The problem is Newton's not going to throw a lot. So it's almost like we need Jones to come in for them to see more balls coming their way. But I don't want to bank on that either. I also don't want to bank on one or the other seeing more targets. I have it basically split down the middle, which puts both of these guys outside of the tight end ones. And that's unfortunate because I really like both of them and I wish they would have landed somewhere else. But for now, I think we're almost in wait and see mode. I think it's going to be frustrating to roster these guys in September as we sort of figure this out, sift through everything. I do think there's potential there, but they're outside of the tight end ones, and really they're kind of a hard pass for me. I don't want to go after these guys uh, right now in redraft leagues, which is unfortunate. Again, as I said, I would have loved them in other locations. This could work out for the long term. But in the short term, not really an area that I'm targeting. So I mentioned Aguilar and Meyer. So let's do this. Let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to dive in. Get excited to the Patriots wide receivers. I don't think it's unfair to say that New England's wide receivers last year were among the league's worst. It was one of the most uninspiring groups, especially with Julian Edelman injured. And he was already way, way, way uh, on the wrong side of 30, obviously retiring here. And I don't care what Gronk says. Gronk said there's a 69% chance that he, I think it said he stays retired, whatever. I don't see Julian Edelman coming back. You know, he he's... Up there in age, the injuries start to mount up, and usually you you don't have a revitalization at that point at at wide receiver. 
Gronk coming back, that's a different story at tight end, and I know people would point to that, but he plays a different position. So either way, he's not going to come back, and and really what we're looking at here is you have Jacoby Myers coming back from last year. The team goes out, they sign Nelson Aguilar, or as my friends in Philadelphia call him, Nelson Aguilar, and uh, bring in Kendrick Bourne as well. Nikhil Harry is technically still on the roster, but him and his camp have requested a trade, so I would expect that to happen at some point. I don't know what they're going to get for him. And then you do have Gunnar Olszewski. Is he the next uh, next man up in the sort of uh, Wes Welker, Julian Edelman line? Maybe. I don't know. But I'm not projecting him with much. I really think the targets get distributed mainly between Aguilar and Myers, with Bourne, Bourne being sprinkled in. But remember, those tight ends are going to suck up a bunch of the work as well. Myers is certainly a great story. Converted college quarterback, undrafted, and now carving out a role on a team that, you know, especially at wide receiver, is hard to carve out a role on. Did a nice job last year for this squad, but the problem again is that any passing upside that you have in this offense is really limited by Cam Newton being under center. Not only because he's going to run the football a whole heck of a lot, but as as we know right now, we know this very clearly, Cam Newton is limited in the passing game not not saying anything shocking there to anybody not and not a knock on Newton as I said he was the darn 15th number 15 fantasy quarterback last year with everything that he didn't do with his arm so there's that but for us to be able to sustain any sort of fantasy value out of Myers or Aguilar it's going to be tough I know Aguilar did well last year, but that was a different situation. Derek Carr's not the greatest passer in the world either, but he's more—he's a better passing quarterback than Cam Newton. So right now, Aguilar is going to be around in the late rounds of your drafts. He's going to be there. He's not a guy I'm targeting, though. In fact, when my wide receiver tiers come out over at FTNFantasy.com this month, you're going to see that he's a late-round avoid for me. There are going to be guys who I want to target in the late rounds, guys who I want to avoid. Anybody who has a very low ceiling like Nelson Aguilar, that's an automatic avoid for me. Yes, he'll be there. Yes, he'll look like half a value, especially if you just look at look back at what he did last year. But no thank you. And unfortunately, no thank you with Jacoby Myers. I'm going to hold Jacoby Myers in Dynasty, by the way. Because I don't... Hey, if Mac Jones pans out... Jacoby Myers could be that slot. He could be the next uh, slot receiver that produces in this offense as well, you know, for the long term. So that leaves us with the backfield. And technically, on paper, here's what we have in this backfield right now. You ready for the list? Damian Harris, James White, Sony Michelle, Ramondre Stevenson, JJ Taylor. That's a lengthy list right there. And the phrase that I often use when we talk about the New England backfield is Belichickery, right? Week in and week out, we have a game plan. We don't know exactly who's going to touch the ball. And unfortunately, that leads to a lot of frustration for fantasy purposes. I can say this based on my read on this backfield. James White's going to be the passing down back. Oh, wow, shocking, right? Actually, I'm with 51 catches, which is a pretty solid number projection-wise. But we also know from James White's career that he is really only a pass-catching back. He is going to carry the ball, what, two, maybe three times a game? That's it. So very limited potential there. 
And, you know, it's interesting. So when you don't have those carries and you're really just a PPR type guy, you introduce a lot of weekly volatility to the to the equation. So I don't like uh, James White for fantasy purposes this year, especially, you know, his age and all that. Don't like it. So we can say that. So that would leave us with Damian Harris and Sony Michelle to divide the carries between with the addition of Ramondre Stevenson. And Ramondre Stevenson's a bigger dude. He kind of has a little bit of a LeGarrette Blunt look to his game, which isn't a bad thing in this offense, as we know. And they did draft him. This is not a UDFA. So they did draft him, so that's something we need to account for as well. As it stands right now in July, I do think Harris leads the backfield and carries. I have him at 190. I have 105 to Sony Michelle, 45 to James White, and then just 23 to Ramondre Stevenson, with J.J. Taylor sprinkling in you know, a handful of carries. It would not shock me if we're in late August and all the buzz is Ramondre Stevenson is going to be the lead back. Now, I'm not predicting that now, and I'm not saying run out and you know draft him in the first round of your rookie drafts. Not saying that at all. I'm saying keep an eye on him. I'm saying maybe get some shares of him in the late rounds of best ball. But for now, I'm avoiding Damian Harris because I don't want any piece of that no upside. He's ranked 34th among running backs for me. I mean, maybe if you go like a zero RB or a punt RB2 approach, sure. But generally speaking, I'm avoiding him. I don't want any piece of Sony Michelle. I think we've learned that lesson by now. But Ramondre Stevenson, I guess it's partially the appeal of the unknown. So we'll keep an eye on him. If he can carve out a role there, especially if he could take the lead in that backfield, there's a lot of potential because this team is going to be run heavy. So there you go. Big question at quarterback. Not a lot of juice at wide out. Questions at, at tight end in terms of how the targets are going to be distributed and maybe a changing of the guard at running back. I don't know. All right, that'll do it for today. Tomorrow we'll be back talk about New Orleans. Another question of quarterback for you right there. At Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter, at Jeff Ratcliffe on Instagram. Use the hashtag Rat Pack. That way I know you're a listener of the show. And go check out FTNFantasy.com for all the fantasy goodness over there. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out.